Hello, and welcome to the C21 podcast. My name's Jonathan Webdale. We hope you're safe and well wherever you may be. Today we hear from screenwriter Russell Lewis and exec producer Andrew O'Connor about new ITV drama Grace, an adaptation of Peter James's award-winning contemporary detective novels starring John Sim. Filming has almost wrapped on new ITV crime drama Grace from acclaimed screenwriter and Endeavour creator Russell Lewis. Starring John Sim as Detective Roy Grace, Russell has adapted two of international bestseller Peter James's award-winning novels about the hard-bitten Brighton-based police officer. Co-produced by ITV Studios' Second Act Productions and Tall Story Pictures, together with Vaudeville Productions, the two two-hour screenplays tell the first pair of stories in the popular Roy Grace series, Dead Simple and Looking Good Dead. Joining John Sim are Richie Campbell as Detective Superintendent Glenn Branson and Reiki Ayola as Assistant Chief Constable Vosper. Lewis and exec producer Andrew O'Connor spoke to me about how the project came about, the critical process of casting, challenges of producing during a pandemic and hopes of turning Grace into a major television franchise. This interview is brought to you by ITV Studios. So my business partner, Michael Vine, uh, who I've run Objective Productions with, a uh, very close friend with Peter James, who writes the books. And Peter's been trying for about 10 years to get a TV version of it away. It's been developed by lots of companies in lots of different ways. There've been lots of scripts commissioned and no one ever really managed to get the script right. I think I think ITV in-house had a script they worked on and no one could really crack it. And so Peter went to Michael and said, do you want to have a go? Because they were friends and then we had a chat. And although I'd done lots of scripted, I'd never done scripted drama before. I'd done lots of comedy, the Channel 4 Peep Show, Star Stories. We met the Richardsons for days for a second that, but we'd never done drama. So I didn't really know anything about it or how to even start it. But I read the book and thought, oh, there's definitely there's definitely something here. So I spoke to Polly and Hugh, who are the, who work at ITV and the commissioning side, and Kevin Ligo, who runs the channel. And they were certainly very interested. But the big question was, who's going to write it? And I think what had become very clear is because of the tone of the books and the, st- the books are, aren't really, they're not whodunits, they're thrillers. And it was a very hard, very, very difficult to crack the book and turn it into a TV show. And uh, lots of names are thrown around, but the only person really who everyone felt confident could do it was Russell Lewis. And because he's incredible crack record with Morse and creating Endeavour. Uh, but Russ is very busy. You can't get him. It's very hard to get hold of Russ because he's so, uh, he want, everybody wants him. But I had a real, I had a little card in my back pocket. And the weird card is that Russ and I were at school together when we were 14. And we hadn't met for like probably 20, 30 years. And uh, so I approached Russ's agent, not knowing even if he'd remember who I was. And uh, I got a very sweet email back from Russ. And then uh, we met for dinner and, and reminisced for a bit. And Russ was very, very, very busy and couldn't really have time to do it. So as a mate, I'll read the book and let... I, th- I, th- I think he'd read the first book, actually. I mean, he can tell you his side of the story in a minute. I think he'd read the book. And he was, he was I think, was intrigued, but very, very busy. And uh, I said to ITV, look, you can, we can carry on looking to find someone else or we could just wait for Russ. And I feel strongly we just wait for Russ because if Russ will do it, I think he'd do a great job. And so we did wait for Russ and he delivered an amazing script. And I think from the minute Russ delivered the first draft, we all knew this was a go project and it was just about who was in the play Grace. Russ may have an entirely different version of that story. <laughs> yes, well, I, um, weirdly, my son had brought me Dead Simple for a Father's Day gift, probably when, when it first came out in paperback. And I'd, I'd read it then. I thought, well, that's, that's terrific. And then, you know, you're working on 
lots of other things and then you know it just slips out of the memory and then but, but when Andrew came to me with it I already had a, a knowledge of, of of the series of books but as he says I was I was kind of rather busy on on Endeavour which is lovely but you know we've been doing that for the best part of 10 years now so it was nice to to look at something else and I haven't done an adaptation for, for over a decade I'd done a lot of adaptation fairly early on of Cadfile and Sharp and and The Morse was an adaptation of one of Colin's books and some P.D. James so I'd, I'd, I'd done a lot of adaptation early on but not for, not for a bit and what I liked about them was the fact that they weren't English cosy whodunits Mayhem Parva that world of, of Marple and Poirot but very contemporary and you know Peter's research is legendary so you you know you've got a fantastic crib sheet there the challenge always with something like one of Peter's books is the sheer volume of material so the challenge is to condense that into 89 minutes of screen time without damaging uh, his story and, and his vision and there are always things that authors do that because it's a visual medium we can't do there I mean I, I certainly remember with with Colin's books you can be much more elusive on the page you can you can hint at things but you know we have to show them so the challenge really was to take that first novel and to to see if if we could turn it into a, a rip roaring thriller across the two hours running time, and it's it's a really good story. So that reeled me in completely. And Roy Grace grows on you the more you read him as a fascinating character, a man with quite some hinterland uh, emotionally. So there was all that going for it. I like the fact it wasn't going to end up with suspects in a drawing room. That had a, that had a great deal of appeal for me. And it wasn't all about ah well I found a red button on a Tuesday which must mean it's the butler who'd lost a button off his shirt the previous Monday. You know, it's it's not like that at all. It's much closer, I think, to Nordic noir, really. The, it, it's, a, it's much more thrillery than, than a whodunit. It's unique identity, I think. So tell us a little bit more about the character of, of Roy Grace and also uh, the incredible heritage of books that Peter James has crafted. I mean, we're talking about a novelist here who's sold over 20 million copies worldwide. They've been translated into 37 languages. There's a lot of material there for you to, to get your teeth stuck into, but tell us uh, a little bit more about Roy Grace and his origins. We join him in the first story, Dead Simple. Uh, I think it's 17 novels now, 16, 17 novels. Uh, and they've all gone straight into number one on the bestseller lists, which is an extraordinary achievement of Peter's, really. Uh, he has a massive devoted readership they enjoy following his his cast of characters surrounding Roy but Roy is intriguing he's a man when we join him in the first story who's sort of been sidelined his wife has disappeared some years earlier and that hangs over him a bit as it might well do and he's tried to find her by regular means and he's also gone off piste a bit and that's brought him into conflict with the police service that he works for and so he finds himself somewhat sidelined to look looking at old cold cases, the missing, the disappeared, stretching back 20, 30 years, while at the same time he can't find his own disappeared wife. So that gives you a, a kind of a great jumping off point for him emotionally, immediately. It also rarely, I think, in crime drama, has a hero who's seen it from the other side, from the point of view of the victims and the victims' families. His wife, Sandy's disappeared some years earlier. So he's gone through the initial stages of, is it she just gone missing? Is she, is she just walked out of the marriage? Or has something terrible happened to her? He finds himself in a, a kind of no man's land of just not knowing, but always wondering. And he can't move on from it, really. Uh, when we first joined him, although he's he's a brilliant detective. He was, in the novel, he's one of the youngest detective superintendents ever in the force, which speaks to his crime solving 
solving capabilities. But through the disappearance of Sandy, he's got an open mind when it comes to unconventional resources. And we get slightly into a world of psychics and mediums and, and that whole, you know, remote viewing. All of that, I think, is fair game to him if it'll be of service to, to what he's after. I just say Pete, Peter James has a, a real interest in the whole paranormal world. And in his career before the uh, the Roy Grace books, he wrote some standalone novels that were supernatural novels. All Peter's first books were supernatural, horror-y books. And it's a real interest of, of his. Tell us a bit about the casting. Obviously, you've you found your uh, lead character uh, in John Sim. So how crucial was it to getting that person spot on? And, and how did you bring him into the role? It's sort of everything, isn't it? Because it's, it's ITV. We assume Sunday night, two-hour drama. And the central person that you go on the journey with is everything. And the truth is, we talked about lots of, we spent a long time talking about it amongst ourselves first, and then with ITV. And lots and lots of names were batted around. And, you know, no, no one felt completely right. And then after quite a long time, John's name came up and uh, we met him and he just, A, he was in love with the character. He felt a real connection to it. And I think Russ and I in the room with Patrick, we just felt immediately that he was just the right person to do it. And Kevin Ligo turned around to me and said, I think he's the best person you could possibly have had. He's warm, contemporary, you really feel really feel that they, he, he can show that loss but also can get angry can be an action hero but also you know show everything underneath and certainly in, in the footage we've seen so far he's really excellent so I think so fortunate to have found him I don't know what you think Ross the oh absolutely I mean John's credentials are impeccable and he le- he brings immediately that he's invested in doing it he does gift the show immediately with credibility because his reputation precedes him and he has all those qualities that Andrew alluded to and I think the fact that it is contemporary is really useful for us going forward when we met him he said to us the last time i played a copy it was 1976 which made me fall in love with him it's such a great thing to say yeah you know his his incarnations as as other famous coppers go before him but to see him coming on to a show like grace which is fairly straight policier it's a gift for us and it's certainly a gift for me as a writer because it's kind of you've got the dialogue from the from the book then you've got the kind of slight dialogue spin that I put on it. And then you have John come in and then it's John's voice you hear in your head when you're writing. So that's been, a, you know, a real gift. And he's been fantastically easygoing, really easygoing, real pro, love him. And we should also say, obviously, that a key part of the decision of playing Roy Grace, you know, Peter James played a huge part in that. All yeah, that we talked about, Peter was, you know, had very strong views, thoughts about it. And from the minute John's name came up, Peter just thought he was perfect. Peter describes Roy Grace always to me as the man you'd want helping you if a member of your family went missing the guy who you'd want to be doing the work for you and Peter really felt that and in fact Peter said to me last week that he's writing the next book and as he's writing it now all he can see is John Sim isn't that amazing after all those books and now just sees John when he's imagining Roy Roy in his new series that John's playing the part it's wonderful what about the other members of the cast Uh, tell us about some of those well I guess the first key character to talk about is the sidekick character right uh, which we've got we've got Richie Plain do you want to talk about him and how, how that character is so important in the book I think he's the way he dresses and what he's like in the book Rush. do you want to talk about how, how you saw Branson on the page first oh wow I mean what's Watson to Grace's homes right it's always a very tough pair of boots to fill you know and, and he fills them brilliantly well it's, it, it's all there in the book really I mean he's a kind of family man with young kids he goes on a bit of a journey but I, I think what's nice about it is he feels very much 
the relationship between him and him and uh, Grace is two guys that would take a bullet for each other without a second thought. And I think that that's kind of key. His relationship with Grace when we join it is he's missing his friend. He's missing his mate. He's kind of uh, while Grace has been sidelined, you know, he's 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 plodding on with with his work. And such is his affection for for Roy Grace that he tries to bring him back to life a bit, if you will, um, to to involve him in a, in a case early on, one of Branson's cases. And that's absolutely instrumental in 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 getting Grace back into the game, I think. But yeah, they're, they're very much, um, they don't stand on ceremony. They're, they're, it's a very, uh, although there's, there's rank between them, you don't feel that on a personal level. They're able to to be very frank with one another on an emotional level, which is nice. And also, I think one of the things you do so brilliantly in the script, Rush, is that we see Branson at home with his wife and the kids. And so when Grace goes for supper there, the feeling of loss that what he hasn't got is a very powerful thing. And also what's wonderful is in real life, Richie, who plays Branson so brilliantly, and John have become really great mates. That chemistry absolutely shines through on the screen. I think it was, it was day two of the the rushes, wasn't it? That we got their their first kind of screen time together, and it just kind of leapt off the screen at you how, how brilliant they were together. Uh, that's been an absolute gift. And certainly by the time one was finalising the, the second film, uh, Looking Good Dead, one could draw on the the material one had seen in the first film, you know, of, of how well they were playing together and really start to push that. And then Russ always says that the uh, sorry Peter always says that the second most popular person in uh, the books is Norman Potting, who's, um, how would you describe Norman, Russ? Also, the difference between the, the Norman in the books and the Norman in the TV show is quite interesting, the way you've managed to make him okay. But Craig Parkinson is playing him, and Craig's one of my favourite actors, and he's really brought something fun to the Yeah, Craig's um, a gift again. Norman in the Norman in the books is what we lightly refer to as an unreconstructed male, right? <laughs> he has problematic views, is, is I think, the, the best way of describing it. He has problematic views and um, not a very guarded way of speaking in the novels. You hesitate to invoke the spirit of Alf Garnet, but there's there's a little bit of that about Potting. He's a man out of his time, uh, I think is the, the nicest way of putting it. There are things that, that and views he expresses in the books that, frankly, Ofcom rules and regs wouldn't allow us to do. There are places that we wouldn't want to go, but even if we did, Ofcom wouldn't allow it. So we've edited that a bit. You know, we've, we've, we've made him objectionable in a different way. There's no malice in him. He's just kind of a bit baity, I suppose. And, you know, a Brighton police officer in a, you know, the Rainbow Republic of Brighton holding Norman's views. Yeah, it, 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 he's a bit of grit in the last Vaseline, as they say. Yes, yeah, so the casting really was crucial. And again, we looked at lots of people, but Craig just managed to, just the way he says a normal line, just somehow manages to convey that character brilliantly. Another really key returning character is Vospa. Do you want to talk about what Vosper's like in the books and what you've done with her? Yeah, Alison Vosper, uh, assistant chief constable in the books, is Grace's boss, and they have been friends. She finds herself now, as we join the story, between a rock and a hard place, really, because she has to answer to the chief constable for Grace's shortcomings. And so she has to, to ride two horses, really. One, which is trying to keep her superiors happy and the other of trying to protect grace as far as she can but while also having the license by dint of rank to read in the riot act as, as the need applies which she does so she's she's not just there to make his life miserable she has a, a, a personal interest in his in his well-being you know as a friend uh, and i think that, that when we saw that the the casting tapes of reiki she's just brilliant and and nailed all the the rich palette of emotional colors that we we wanted from the character there were some quite big stars up for the world it's 
Liechtenstein. It's a really great part. Lots of layers to her. Lots of lots on their past relationship. The tone of any, you know, it could have been written and played as a sort of a cliched character, but Russ wrote to brilliant, wrote the character brilliantly, and then Reggie just came in and just immediately, wonderfully. Yeah, there was there was a bit of anxiety, you know, about about the part as written, and then Reggie came in and just delivered it exactly as I'd heard it in my head, and then all his anxieties just evaporated, which was great. And she's she's just uh, you know an integral part of the setup, really. Let's talk about the place a little bit. Brighton, as you say, the uh, Sussex coastal town, that's very much a, a character in this story as well. Yeah, absolutely. Not only visually, but on a kind of emotional level as well. I went out with Peter and some of the police in a squad car for a day. And you really do see a town with two faces watching it through the police's eyes. You've got, you know, the lovely seaside town that we all know and love, the lanes, uh, all the touristy stuff. But literally in the next street is a very, very heavy and serious drug problem with all that that entails. So those two things cheek by jowl like that really gives it a there's a danger I mean Brighton's always been a fascinating town hasn't it I mean the obvious jumping off point is Graham Green, isn't it and that's between the wars that's not seedy but um, there's an underbelly to Brighton that, that's never changed I think you know and dramatically that's a, that's a great world for us to be in for a thriller show yeah the, the the location as a metaphor for the characters projecting one thing and something else underneath obviously some of the Peters really delved into with all the books really yeah. and obviously it looks beautiful on camera you know there are just aerial shots to die for for obvious reasons yeah that has been one of the amazing things about making Grace is we are literally in Brighton there's no there's no fakery uh, if it's if it's a location in the book we get it as near as Dammit you know because Peter always draws from life and that's hugely rare I mean I know when we do Oxford for Endeavour our time there is very limited three or four days out of a 23 day shoot oh right I hadn't realised that that's interesting yeah. but I mean that, that goes back that goes back to Morse I mean very few of the places in, in Morse were in Oxford apart from the, the obvious locations the rest of it we kind of do some movie magic on so to, to be in Brighton for the entirety of the shoot on both films I, you know I mean the, you can smell the salt coming off the screen you know and the smell of candy floss let's know. talk about the, um, the production side of things uh, shooting's almost completed and let's talk a little bit about the magic as well since uh, Darren Brown's company is among those ones that's uh, producing it so there were three companies involved. So there's Vaudeville Productions, which is Michael Vine, Darren Brown, and uh, and me, and that's that's how it started development with the book. And then at some point during that, I got involved with ITV, with another company called Second Act that does mainly scripted comedy. We make the Richardsons for ITV, so we brought them in. And then as we got further down the road with ITV, it felt like a, we haven't made we haven't made a big ITV drama before. So someone at ITV to hold our hand and help would be great. And so Tall Story got involved to an ITV company, and Patrick Schweitz is the other VP, along with me and Russell and Peter James. Who's just been brilliant and supportive so those are sort of the three companies involved with it but the, but the truth is as I constantly say about this show is that the one per, or the two people who we couldn't do it without are Peter and, and Russ Any everybody else is replaceable going forward but you know Russ is the showrunner of the show and the tone of it and the taste and everything the casting you know Russ has been holding my hand and teaching me how to do it all, all the way along well uh, would that was so you know Andrew's credentials precede him so uh, there, there was very little of that on my part I was just delighted to be involved with it. What about the physical aspects of putting this whole thing together amidst the uh, the current crisis and the restrictions that there are around producing television I series? I think challenging is a very good word for that. You know, uh, we didn't know if we were going to... Obviously, we, 
we were going to make it. We started, we were, I think, a couple of weeks away from starting to production in, in March. And then you know, the lockdown came and we stopped. And then, you know, there was many, many boring backstage stories about the insurance and can you do it and the timing. And uh, John Alexander, who directs the first film so brilliantly, you know, he directed this whole film with, with a mask on, having to go and talk to an actor, you know, feeling like 18 hours a day, wearing a mask it's very difficult for the team but fortunately none of that shows up in fact there are some scenes when um uh, outside streets you know scenes shot on the street where the, we've got some banks in the background of some real people from brighton well no one's wearing a mask and that's why the numbers are going up because no one's wearing a mask in the back of shot we thought we'll have, we'll have to paint out people wearing masks in the back of shot well there's none of that so uh, no, you can't see it on screen, but it has been extremely challenging. Yeah, it's like boxing; it's going in a fight with two with your hands behind your back. So it has been challenging. So the team have done an extraordinary job. Let alone the con- you know, the actors are being tested constantly. It's not it's not pleasant, but it just felt like ITV ITV have been incredibly supportive from the minute I went in and had the first conversation about the book, you know, and they really want it to work and they want it to become a franchise. So it was very important to them if we could do it that we could go ahead and shoot it now. You know, so they had it for next year and so you know how often does a network that excited about a project it felt like if we can do it we should of course say yes so that's why no it's amazing how much the the oldest rule in the book applies isn't it the show must go on and the series might well go on as well as you say itv is keen to turn it into a franchise these uh first two films are the first two novels from a series which has expanded now to to 17 novels just last month i think so two uh, more coming out next year by the way uh one more novel and then a short a novella so is the ambition to turn them all into into series i think as long as as long as russell's drawing breath that's my that's my take on it as long as yeah i'd be delighted to do it you know as, as long as there's an appetite for it you know uh but i think what's really interesting about grace is that we're doing them in in order rather than so often a property will be acquired and then people will cherry pick the favorite or the easiest books to do but there is development across Peter's 17 novels for all the characters. And it's nice to be able to do that in the right order rather than having to pull, pull bits from different books. So that's fun. You know, it gives you some challenges because some of the material is, is quite adult in the novels. You know, he goes into some some very heavy places and it's finding a way of delivering that pre-Watershed for an ITV audience, ideally on a Sunday night. So that, that's the fun of it and that's the challenge of it. And, um, you know, with the amazing team behind it, I think it's, it's coming together brilliantly. How do you feel, Russell, that it fits in with your previous body of work, which is obviously extensive, going all the way back to Taggart, The Bill, Inspector Morse, Endeavour as well. You're you're the creator of that. Well, Endeavour, I mean, that's kind of that's kind of uh, rather than Morse, you know, predated me. I came on towards the very back end of that. How does it fit in? I hate repeating myself. That's the thing. If it felt like something I'd done before, I don't think I'd have wanted to get involved. But it felt different, more than different enough to be something well worth spending time over. That was a draw of it. I like that they are self-contained stories, and they feel more like a like just like a thriller movie, basically. Each one that you can that you can dip into. You don't need to watch them in sequence. You get more out of it if you do. And it's not like we press a reset button after each one, but they are self-contained, and it's trying to turn those novels into the most movie version of themselves that we can do on a Sunday night. That's the the fun of it, I think. Uh, and again, as I said earlier, it's it's not a whodunit. You know, there's mystery and there's surprise, and there are more twists than a contortionist convention but 
they're not Poirot and they're not Marple. So what do you think it is about these shows and, and this character that's going to appeal to an international audience, international buyers as well? And also, I'm just wondering what your feelings are about the crime genre, given the sort of state of the world that we're in now, and perhaps people are becoming keener on more escapist entertainment, or do you think that, that crime drama is going to continue to remain as strong as ever? I don't see crime drama going out of fashion anytime soon. I mean, it's kind of every crime story in the end is about a restoration of order, isn't it? And I think in a, in a chaotic world, the need for that in our dream life and in our entertainment is, is as strong, if not stronger than ever. The hero comes in, or heroine as the case may be, and literally puts the world to rights and brings justice and morality and decency to a, to a chaotic situation, you know, which is usually arising from the death of an individual. Uh, and you can extrapolate that out into the, you know, into the into other times that we find ourselves in. So yeah, I, I, I see no end to an appetite for that anytime soon. Well, as well as the genre element and the role, you always talk, you, you always said there are roller coasters, right, Russ? As well as well as a roller coaster genre element, the thing that Russ does so brilliantly, obviously in Endeavour, and I think has done in Grace, is that people fall in love with those characters. You know, people come back for Endeavour because of the small little moments, as much as they do of character development, as much as they do for the over the big story of the week. I would say, and that's that's the thing that uniquely Russ has done so brilliantly. I think. Yeah, and it's something that that will will grow as hopefully we go forward with it. I think in the first instance, it's getting the markers down for the show's identity as a as that roller coaster thriller ride, but that also so has recognisably human characters and an, an intriguing character right at the very heart of it, which is Roy Grace. And as played by John, that intrigue just becomes stronger and stronger, I think. Just just to wrap on that point, I mean, and, and go back to uh, to John's casting as well. Uh, you talked about him, I think, as being the cherry on a dark and troubling encrimsoned cake, which does sound very tantalising. Yes, uh, and, and he is very much that, you know, because um, Peter Bills is extraordinarily brilliant plots that that kind of grip you from the start and and don't let go and that john has joined us to to be the man that is our guide and navigator through that world uh it's been brilliant and that's that's the joy of writing for someone well with, with all our cast really that are kind of firing all cylinders and they they just get what's on the page immediately screenwriter russell lewis and exec producer andrew o'connor discussing new itv crime drama grace that's all for this episode There'll be more from the podcast tomorrow. In the meantime, stay safe and stay up to date with all the latest developments by following C21 online, on mobile and social media. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 